Now it's our great privilege to introduce my friends Peter and Corin Rasmussen, and I'm going to invite them to come up. And while they do, let me tell you about them. Peter and Corin and Michelle and I were um, leaders. We were youth leaders together 35 years ago. I always say back when the Earth's crust was still cooling, um, and uh, we were we were uh, leaders, youth leaders in a national youth or leadership team. Come on up, guys. And um, so we, we met and, and became friends and. Um, just a really a rich friendship has developed since then. But part of the great joy for me is to watch the apostolic call on their lives as they travel around the world now um, and watch that apostolic thing spread out through the um, city that they're in. And, and Peter and Corin have always been influential people, always helping other leaders, always developing other churches. And they've just been a significant blessing to us at the church. So every now and again, uh, when they come through, um, it always seems like it's just a really good moment for us. There's always an impartation of something that's useful and encouraging and a blessing to us. So uh, we're just looking forward to this morning. Um, they are brothers and sisters in arms. It always feels like much of what the Lord is saying to us, He's been saying to them. And there's a, it's nice to hear somebody else echo what you've heard whispered in your own heart. So that's the thing. Why don't you reach out your hands to them in the sign of blessing and welcome and let's pray for them. And, Father, we bless you, Peter Lord. and Corin, and we thank you for this moment in time, and we thank you, Lord, that uh, we've come to this day. I'm asking, Father, that you would just give voice to your heart, that you would speak through them, that Jesus. you would cause them, Lord, to bring forth exactly what you want for this day. I'm asking, Lord, that there would be seed for everybody in this place, that there would be transformations all over, that there would be the ignition of hearts common, Lord, this morning. So, Lord, we open our hearts to them and we say, would you speak to us through them? In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you amen. welcome them, please? Amen. Thank you so much. It is such a joy to be here. I was chatting to my girls this morning, more my kids, um, for Mother's Day, and I, they said, so, sorry, Mommy, on the other side of the world. And I said, on the other side of the world is a family that I love. And so this is a great joy for us to be here. Greg and Mish, as Greg very unkindly said, we have been friends for very many years. And um, maybe not that long, Greg, but um, we're very grateful for you as a church. Um, Peter was chatting to the pastors at home at around midnight last night because they were all waking up in South Africa. And they're praying for us this morning. And I, I th we feel this incredible connection to you, and it's very exciting. Anyway, what I did want to say is, we've just had Greg and Michelle in South Africa, and I wanted to thank you as a church, because I know that these little messages come up here, and you give, and you wonder, and you pray for them, and you're faithful, but they, were a, they are a great blessing in South Africa, mm. where we are, we are from, the multiple churches that we have planted, we all gathered together as leaders, and God gave me that scripture out of Psalms, I think it's Psalm 18, where it said, I rescued you, I brought you into a spacious place because I delighted in you. And when Greg and Michelle preach, there is something that happens. It's not just the words that they come with, it's what they are. And as they get up onto the stage, you guys are just so fortunate, you have it all the time, I don't even know if you notice it. But as they get up on the stage, everyone in the room leans in in South Africa because it's like as they begin to speak, there's a spacious place that's mm. created in their hearts and in their minds, and they see more and they 
hear more and there's a grace that settles on them. And it's like everyone in the room takes this deep breath. So we're so incredibly grateful to you. Mm. I know they went on from there up into Africa and you generously blessed and support our continent, which you have no idea of what that means. And I wanted to say thank you to you. Every time they leave, anytime any of them grow, I know they took team with, with them, they take teams often, others of you go. This, what God's done in this place, my husband's getting nervous now because he can feel the <laughs> clock counting down. But Pete said yesterday in the leadership time, there is a DNA here. There's a replicable, replicable DNA that God has put mm. in you. He's given you a song. He's given you something very special and it needs to go out, can't remain here. And every time someone goes, they carry this incredible DNA that God's put in Northlands, and it's incredibly powerful because it makes space for people. Mm. And um, so thank you, I'm so grateful to them that they come to our nation, a nation that they love, but they ministered not just with us, they ministered in churches around the country and then on into Africa, and, it, and, and we can feel the impact of it. Last, last story. We, are, we were sitting with all our el, um, elders and leaders in the city, and the sound guy, bless him, he was an intern. I'm not sure why we landed up on intern day that day, but um, I don't know whether he forgot to press the button or whether he did it wrong, <clears throat> but there was no recording for the morning, and we'd been together all morning, and there was just such an incredible deposit and such an incredible presence of God that morning. Anyway, one of the pastors from the inner city, he put his phone on and recorded it, mm. left his phone on the floor and recorded it. And that recording has gone from pastor to pastor, leader to leader, all over the, all over the um, country and our province in particular. So as much as it was a crackling little, less than great recording, it's still that DNA just keeps being replicated across the nation. And I'm very grateful for that. Greg ended what he was saying and he looked across the pastors and he prayed for them and he said, forever and ever and ever, God will bless you. He, will, he sees what you do. He doesn't measure hearts like man measures. He doesn't measure like God measures. And those pastors of ours, they all just stood up and their shoulders rolled back and they settled. They began to see a God who measures differently to man and they were filled with great courage. I'm going on and on, but it's Thank great you, to be here. Goodbye. Stay, stay, stay. <laughs> I'm a stay? No, just for a second. Okay. A, a, a grandmother of four grandchildren. She's, she oh, has yes. a right to speak as a mother. <laughs> I, just before Corinne sits down, I, I thought I'd share a couple of uh, things with you. I know that I keep saying it, it's the non-profit sharing a prophetic word, but but God started speaking to me a long time ago about you and, and uh, much earlier than usual to the point where my ministry out into different parts of the world actually became part of what he'd already said to you. I couldn't say anything else because you guys trapped me into a word that was for you. And so I've been looking forward to getting it, to deliver it so I can preach on something else. Uh, but it is so exciting to be here because we can sense the sweet place that you're in. You can feel something, an atmosphere that has changed. And as God began to speak to me just prophetically about you, actually took me to the story of 1 Samuel 16, which is the story of David's anointing as king. And re-emphasizing again 
this idea of the anointing of God, that God actually breaks something open in a life. And, and, and I think God is wanting to do that right here in this place. But there are a couple of things that I felt the Lord say, point it out to this church, because I'm highlighting it for you. Read that again. Read 1 Samuel 16 in your own time if you can. But it's the story of David, and, and, and Samuel comes, and he's kind of been a little bit of incognito. He's hiding, because he's not allowed to do this publicly, because he'll, he'll get in trouble, because Saul is king. And uh, the first thing is that as the boys, as Jesse's boys get paraded, Eliab first, an impressive man. Because it's, it's, it's not him. And, and, and then comes this prophetic word out of the prophet, the Lord does not see as man sees. Some of the things you have in your heart as a church, the Lord would give life to you, not because they are anything impressive. They are little Gideon things. They are, seem insignificant, but God will blow life and take down walls and cities with them. They have an insignificant start, but a big, big end. Uh, Proverbs 69, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Man does his thing, it's a small thing, but the Lord does the big thing. I'm here to remind you today, the Lord is doing a big thing with you. But then they wait for David, because David's out looking after the sheep, and, and is there anyone else? Yeah, David, bring him. And they wait for him, and, and Samuel says these words, stay standing, don't sit down, we're all gonna stand, and he's not close, it's gonna take a while. And David arrives in, and you can see the scripture says three things about him. Ruddy, shiny eyes, and beautiful, it says, about him when he arrives. Ruddy, I think, because he ran, probably. So you're all red-cheeked because he's kind of raced in from the fields. And here this boy arrives, and, and the Lord says, it's him. And th this is the word of the Lord to you. It says, as as." Samuel begins to anoint him. It says, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. I thought, I'd never seen that. Oh, then the Spirit of the Lord came on David, absolutely. But rushed, that word rushed. Similar word in, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew text to the Greek text of the New Testament, where the, as a rushing mighty wind in Acts chapter two, there's a rush of the Spirit upon David. I felt the Lord say to Northland's church, I'm going to rush upon you. I'm going to take insignificant things, small contributions. I'm gonna rush by my spirit upon them. I will, I will rush upon the yeses I've given you, the standing yeses, the things that you're walking into. My spirit will rush upon them because I'm in a hurry to work with you. I, it's like the Lord is speeding things up. Don't you get that sense as a church? God's speeding up with you, and He is saying that to you. He's multiplying your DNA. Corinne referenced it. He's multiplying your DNA out into the world, and He's in a rush to do it, and there is a rush of His Spirit upon you. And take this individually for your own business, your own life, your own family, because there's a rush of God's Spirit coming upon you. Receive it now and uh, walk in it, because there's a multiplication of this DNA that God is in a hurry to get out. There's much to be done. There's training happening here. There's things going on here that's gonna become more and more evident over the next few years as God begins to take this DNA and multiply it out into the world. So we thought we would share that with you. And thank you, Father, for this church. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Such an amazing community called by heaven 
to take something unique, something different, something countercultural, and spread it out into the world. We stand in agreement with them, not as guests to this church, but as family members, part of the DNA of this house, part of the family of this house, standing with them in faith for what it is you are doing. You are in a hurry to rush upon them. The anointing of God, taking small things and giving unusually large responses. In Jesus' name I pray. Do it, I pray. Amen. 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 So the, the clock starts. And I'm fine, I can see. <laughs> I, I was in a very large church and I leaned over to the leader of the meeting and I said, uh, so how long have I got? Uh, I'd just forgotten to ask. And he says, 23 minutes. I thought, are you sure it's not 23 and a half? <laughs> no, 23 minutes was it. And... Uh, I was driving home from a long trip down to help my daughter move in another part of our, our nation. And as I was coming home, uh, the Lord, as is usual, was beginning to download early this year, was beginning to download things that He wanted to help the church with. And some of those things I've shared with, with your team already, but one of the things I left on the table, because I felt it's, it's something to encourage all of you in. And I was listening to a friend of mine, a Danish friend of mine, because I am Danish of birth, and I still speak the language. I try to preach in it even from time to time, not very successfully, but I try. Um, and there was a song that he'd made, an old, remember, remember that old song, Blessed Assurance? That old hymn? And he was singing it in Danish, they'd done some translating work, and, and he was running this song, and, and I was singing it, and I just had it on repeat. And it was just repeating, and and Hannah min glæde, Hannah min sang, ham vil jeg prise livsdagen lang. It's a beautiful song, you know. But in English, it's kind of a little, it's a bit inferior, you know. This is my this is my story. This is my song. But in, in Danish, it's He is my joy. He is my song. I just like that. He's my joy. Here's my song. It's like God wanted to put something in me, a strength for what was up ahead. The thing that he wanted to do in us was something about joy. And I just could not let go of it. Again and again, the Lord would remind me that he's our joy. It says in Psalm 51, you know it well, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This idea that we're reminded and you're a church that is reminded constantly and regularly of the joy of the Lord in your salvation. And we ought to live there in that space. This is an important subject right now because the world has changed because of COVID. Now, I don't know whether you're aware of that. You may think about all the obvious stuff like, you know, economic pressure or people having died or job losses. And, and those, yeah, they're real things for many people in the world, as I'm sure they are here. But I'm not really talking about those things. I'm talking potentially about a much greater challenge that we have that has actually caught the whole world a little off guard. And the problem isn't something that's happening here. It's something that's happening here between our ears something that's happened to people around the world 
between their ears. A large international survey was done recently to, to kind of see how people were doing, and these are the results of that survey. 25.5% of us report us having high levels of anxiety. That's a big number of the world. 24.3 have developed full-blown symptoms of depression through these two years. 30.9% show symptoms of both of those. 13.3% have shown new symptoms of substance abuse. In other words, somewhere along the last two years, they picked up some substance and, and made it a bit of a crutch over the last couple of years. 10.7% have seriously considered suicide in the last 30 days. I think about that. It's almost unthinkable. 40.9% show adverse mental health symptoms as a whole. Nearly half the world. I arrived into this nation. I see teenage suicides are going through the roof in this nation. It was on the news as I arrived into New York. The struggle, the battle, even in this nation with some of these challenges. Relationships are under pressure. One British law firm reported a 122% increase in requests for divorce in just one month last year. This kind of stress can be very bad for us, very bad for your body. High blood pressure, insomnia, eating disorders, memory, concentration problems. Okay, we have a problem. It's a problem. There's a challenge out there in the world. It's an opportunity like never before. Like never before, God's church has this moment when the world is under the greatest pressure it has ever known in a long, long time. All at the same time. And we, God's people, have an opportunity to seed something of this gospel into this world. You see, I'm not gonna wave some magic wand over our problems today, but I am going to tell you that there is a way out provided in the scriptures, and it's the way of joy. So let me talk about joy a little bit, because I kind of call it a theology of joy because it's not happiness, as many people think. So I'm happy, I'm up, I, I, my, my emotions are good, so everything is fine. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. One informs the other, but joy is something deep within me, like a river that flows, constantly giving life to my inner being because it's rooted in my salvation. It's rooted in what Christ has done. So there is a river of joy flowing on the inside of me and my emotions are untrustworthy. They're like a roller coaster that rides up and down above the river. And I have high moments when everything is going really well for me and I'm feeling very happy. But I potentially could also have low moments. Lost at my job, things are not going well, my budget's not working out anymore and I've got these low moments but it doesn't affect the river of God that runs deep within my heart and life, that drives the energy and the life that comes out of me. Nehemiah 8.6, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, not happiness. It's an unreliable pointer to how you're doing. Um, Joy is the constant river that flows. Joseph Campbell says this, participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. We cannot cure the world of sorrows, 
but we can choose to live in joy. All the sorrows and the challenges, but we can choose to live in the joy of our salvation as God's people. I drop in in one place, I come up somewhere else. God moves me. He moves me. I love that prophet Habakkuk. I've gotten to reading him a lot. I don't know why. I suppose because he had so many complaints. He named them. The, 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 the writers of the scripture, complaint number one, complaint number two. You know? <laughs> you know, when a prophet starts complaining and you name them and number them, it's a problem. And then in the middle of all of this, the Lord gives him a song. It's this a song according to Shigionoth, this odd word that's untranslated in the scriptures because they didn't really know how to translate it, so just left it in there. Many of your Bibles will have the word still in there, sitting there. Kind of a, a song with a certain flavor, a certain way. Habakkuk 3.17, this is part of the song. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. There is a connection to our song and the joy that we have. God wants to give you your song back. He wants to give you a shigionoth, a song that is yours. I remember a moment, I don't know why the Lord told us to do this, but he told us to plant churches around the city. And, and I used to stand on a Friday morning and pre-preach the Sunday message to the pastors of the city, the guys that were doing the church plants. I never, in, I never wanted to be on a screen, let alone pre-preach the message on a Friday morning. And I used to walk into that building, big building, you know, 5,000 seats and like a smattering of pastors sitting on the front row. And I've got to pre-preach the message for that Sunday. And uh, I remember the Lord saying that song, you shall, you shall not fear, you, I'm with you. I'm your strength, you don't gotta fear. He gave me a song for the moment. I used to hum it, sing it, like my song. There is a song in this house. There is a shigionoth in this place. There is a DNA in this house. There is something that God wants to sing over the world. I don't know whether you can hear it, but if you can't hear it, you're not listening hard enough because it's here. And God wants to make alive, not just you personally, something, a song that is rising up in you, but he wants to speak and sing over the world out of you. I have joy because I am saved. Psalm 16, you have known, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me say this to you. The world can rage around us, but we have joy. We have a message. We have a song that needs to be sung over. You may not be a singer. You may just be a singer in your shower. And hopefully nobody hears it. But there's still a song in you too. There is a joy of God in your heart, in your inner life. And it's not dependent on how you feel. 
whether you're up or whether you're down, whether things are going well for you or whether they're not going well, the joy of the Lord is a river within you that constantly sings out of you over the world. As I was beginning to think about this for you as a community, I started watching some comedy shows to great consternation of my family because I'm sitting in the lounge watching all these comedians and I'm falling off the, I'm laughing and this noise is going through the house all the time. And my daughter was visiting. I said, Dad, not stop listening. And, and, and the thing is, God was saying, Pete, I need to remind you. I'm here to remind you today. Some of you, you need to laugh a little more to be reminded of the joy that's in you. You need to tell your faces a little. You know, some of you think it's, you know, it's, it's hip or grandy not to laugh or not to smile. It's not. Something's happened to you. Put a smile on your face and, 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 and allow some, you know, sit at the, at the lunch table today and, 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 sh- and share a joke, a, a clean one, but a joke nonetheless. <laughs> laugh a little. Remind each other there's joy in you. It's the, the laughter, the joy the, that, that brings medicine and life to our very bones, reminds us that there's a river in us, flowing in us, that's constantly pumping a song and life through us. It's our insulation against anxiety, against the struggle of this world. It's our medicine to this world that is struggling with anxiety and depression and battles with their mind and fear and struggles right now. Our song will bring healing to them. Some of you are sitting in this room this morning. A song of the Lord over you will bring healing to you today in this place. C.S. Lewis says this, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. It's time to laugh a little more. It's time to, be in, to, to remind ourselves again of this life that is within us. Happiness is fleeting. And if you pin your hopes on it, it will disappoint you. You end up wanting the world to make you happy. Maybe you've got a teenager in your family who didn't really want to be here this morning. You know all about what unhappiness is about. Because they told you all the way here how unhappy they were. And the point is that mom and dad, your job is to make me happy. And the problem often in this world is that we look at our spouses, we look at the people around us and say, your job is to make me happy. If you don't make me happy, I'm gonna divorce you. I'm gonna walk away from my marriage. I'm done with you. Not realizing that we need to live from somewhere else. That the life that emanates from God, the river of joy that runs deep within us, informs our faces, informs our lives about how we ought to work with one another. I get lots of love from this beautiful woman in the front row. But it's a blessing to me, it's not a right. It's a blessing to my life because all my rights have already been surrendered in Jesus Christ. Everything I get in this world, every dollar that comes my way, every love, every handshake, every smile is a blessing to me. 
It's a reminder of God's life that floods within me. It's a horrible way to live if we're constantly struggling with the ups and downs of our own emotions. Bishop Desmond Tutu, who is a well-known man in our nation, recently passed away and I was reading some of his writings and this is what he wrote, discovering more joy does not save us from the inevitability of hardship and heartbreak. In fact, we may cry more easily, but we will laugh more easily too. Perhaps we are just more alive. Yet as we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. Perhaps we're just more alive. I am convinced that the greatest testimony that we have in this world is that we are more alive. You see, the world walks around every day and breathes air, not really knowing that they are already dead. They think they're gonna die one day at 85, 89, you know, if, if, if they make it that far. They think that's gonna be the end of my life. They didn't realize they arrived in here already dead. So they walk around on the face of the earth, breathing air, thinking that that keeps them alive. But you and I know that life comes from God. Then the life that we have brings breath to the world, brings new breath, new life. This is how we ought to live. This is the message of this house, that wherever we go, the DNA of this family spreads out in joy, speaks to people about God's finished work upon the cross. We potentially could live bland, sameless, kind of uninteresting lives. But God gives us freedom and joy. So I wanna kinda say a couple of things about what joy does for us. The first thing is that it gives victory over my mind. The joy in me, the river in me, gives victory up here in my mind. See, if circumstances is the only driver then my mind is assailed constantly by unproductive thoughts. My circumstances speak to me and my mind is informed by what I see, hear, read, and live. And if that is the only information I have, then I say, well, it's not going so well or it's going well. One or two possibilities happen for me. But I don't live by those things alone. Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. We live according to the Spirit. We set our minds on things of the Spirit. An infusion of joy sets our mind free from the tyranny of our struggles. I have struggles, I get it. I know many people. I know one pastor right now today back in South Africa who we planted a church with. He's sleeping on a mattress on his stage with a box of his stuff next to him because his house just washed away in the floods that hit our province. And you say, I spoke to him this morning and he says, Peter, I'm praying for you and for Northland's church. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? Because he's not dominated by just the stuff that's going on around him. Something else is informing him. 
something else that's informing his life other than his circumstances. We have victory over our minds. Desmond, Bishop Desmond Tudor writes, we're fragile creatures and it's from this weakness, not despite of it, that we discover the possibility of pure joy. Because of our dependence upon Christ, our connection to the finished work of the cross, joy creates the filter through which I experience the world around me. The second thing joy does gives me victory over fear. If ever there was a moment where people are struggling with fear, it's now. People are fearful. I was in a church in our nation, and honestly, it was hard to describe this church. But the next nearest person to me was at that wall over there, like 15 meters away from me. Because they said, no, we, you know, we got to, that's not social distance, that's a chasm. <laughs> but they were so worried and they were so concerned and so fearful that something was going to touch them and infect them. And, and I'm thinking, we have victory over fear. We do not have to live, we have to be sensible, sure, we have to do the things that sometimes the government tells us to do, but we do not have to live in fear. Psalm 94 verse 19, when anxiety was great within me, your comfort, your consolation, your strength brought me joy. In the midst of my struggle of anxiety, you brought me joy. The overwhelming amount of information we get in every day is producing fear in people. And I'm here to say, if you will live in the river of God's joy, if you will be reminded every day of the joy of God in this house, not only will you have a message, a song to the world, but you yourself will live free from the tyranny of constant struggle of up and down with your own emotions. The information that you let in cannot be the only driver of how you feel. A lot of that information is not true anyway. We hear lots of stuff that's not real. John 15, 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. My word that I have spoken to you is a joy in you. When you live by what I've said, joy, a river, floods deep within you and produces energy and life to you. The third thing joy does, it produces victory over sin. You've said, how does it do that? How does joy produce victory over sin? Well, it's actually quite simple. When you live a life fulfilled with joy, sin doesn't look attractive. When you are battling emotionally low, stressed out of your mind, you're saying, help me. And then suddenly, you're looking at something that seems attractive to you, a bottle, a thing, a, you know, some stuff that you need to make you happy. You've lost the idea that joy doesn't come from anything you consume, anything you see, anything coming. Joy is something that comes from God's salvation in you. That if you would dip into the river of God's joy, suddenly you will see that it's an immunization against sin. When people are low emotionally, when they are battling and stressed out of their minds, at those moments, marriages break up, 
things fall apart for them. Why? Because sin becomes an attractive thing, thinking, I can escape. I can, I, I can, I, I can get out. But it's temporary, isn't it? You know the number one thing men say if they've gone and had a relationship with someone else other than their spouse? You know the number one thing they say? is regret. It hits them almost instantly. Oh, what did I do? Regret. Because sin does not fulfill its promise. It just produces death. But joy fulfills its promise. The promise of the kingdom, the promise of the river, constantly informs my life and frees me from the struggle of trying to find something out there that will help me. Some vitamin, no, I'm kidding. We were talking about vitamins last night. <laughs> something is gonna help me. Something's gonna make me better. Our life comes from him. His river of joy informs us. The second reason why sin, joy has victory over sin is because, because it reminds us of the presence of God. Pierre de Chardin says, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God, that God is present. When I live in his joy, when joy informs me, when the song of God rises up within me, sin? Really? You, you want to tempt me now? This is crazy. God is here. His presence is all around me. I'm living and, 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 and in this river that informs my emotions. Hannah I'm in glitter. Hannah I'm in sun. The whole chorus. He is my joy. He is my song. There is a message out of the heart of this church. And I want to tell you, it's informed by the joy of the Lord. It's informed by the work of salvation. And our greatest tool, our greatest evangelism, our greatest impact upon this world is not far from us. It's not something we've got to go and fetch. It's right here. That as you walk around in your life, your life is informed by joy. Your face is informed by joy. Some of you look entirely too unhappy when such great work has happened in you. Speak, let it speak through you, through your hands, through your life, through your face, because he has transformed you to end this message. This prophetic sense I have for you about this DNA. In 1 Peter 1, 8, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You see, the joy of God in us speaks to the glory of God. 
speaks to the eternity of God, speaks to his plan for our life. It speaks glory into our life. The potential of God's glory connecting with your life if joy is the informer, the, the originator. Suddenly, the glory of God can be seen in the moments of your life. Walking down the line at Publix, picking up your stuff for Sunday lunch. Joy informs your life. And the potential of glory is right there in the aisle. When you walk down and put your stuff on the, on the, on the little thing and it rolls up and, and Sue, the helper on the other side, looks at you and says, Sue, how are you today? Are you a mother? Because today I was in church and we got to pray for all the moms. You see, there's something else that informs you, speaks to you. Glory becomes the potential of every moment. The moments are no longer missed. The moments are no longer kind of, oh geez, you know, Greg keeps talking about these things and other preachers here keep talking about these great moments they have. I never got any moments. Live in joy. The glory of God becomes the potential of your life. Every day, doing that accounting thing on a Monday morning for the office and walking it over the passage and say, here it is. And suddenly there's a moment and you realize there's a question that needs to be asked. There is a comment that needs to be made. And glory, why? Because joy informs your life. There's a river of life. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Ah, some of you think, I never heard that song. It's because you haven't been around long enough. It's a song Greg and I sang in our youth days. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. There's a river of life flowing out of me, flowing out of you. This DNA of this house, I've spoken about it now for two days. God is multiplying your DNA and it's informed by something deep within you, the finished work of the cross, the joy of God that speaks to your circumstances. Would you mind terribly standing up on your feet? Everybody in this room, is that okay? If you want to sit, that's okay. I understand, but I'd love for you to stand. Take your hands and, and close them up. Just close them. Lord, we desire glory. to see every day the potential of heaven touching earth right in our circumstance. And as we stand here with our hands closed around what represents maybe some of our struggles, maybe our emotional life at times is not as stable as it ought to be. Maybe we're suffering with fear or anxiety. Maybe there are things that drive the agenda of our lives and we hold those now in our hands. Here they are. And Jesus, right now, we want to let the glory of God inform 
the future of our life. And so we let them go, open them up. We just let them go. We drop them to the ground now. We receive again from you. We allow this DNA, this message of this house to pulse out with a song, a unique song out of our lives. A shigionoth, a unique message, a countercultural message because you are speaking to the world through us. I thank you for a smile on every face. I thank you for much laughter and much joy that will inform our days, our lunches today. Mothers in the house, we will fall off our chairs just laughing our heads off because we're reminded of the joy that runs within us, deep in our hearts, informs how we feel. I thank you, Jesus. Release this message out of these people. Release this message. Take the small things and multiply them, the Gideon things, and break down many walls, many cities. In Jesus' name I pray. Release your people. I pray against depression now. In Jesus' name. I come against anxiety in this room where minds have been assailed and attacked. And it tells me, statistics tell me that there are people in this room who are suffering. Now, in Jesus' name, I take authority over that. I thank you, Father, that the information they receive from now on, I'm not speaking against pills or against stuff that you're taking. I'm just saying there is freedom at the cross for you. There's freedom for your mind. There's freedom from fear. There's freedom from brokenness. Now, in Jesus' name. I speak liberty over minds. From today, you do not have to be fearful. You are free. In Jesus' name I pray. Look up for a moment. As is my custom, I don't like to hide around when people need to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. I think we need to do that publicly and in front of everybody. And maybe by chance, God brought you into this house today. And you have maybe been in church for most of your life. I don't know you. But today, you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You see, there's not, you, you don't become a hamburger by sitting in McDonald's. You just get to look like one. Sorry, my wife said I shouldn't have said that. That's probably true. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but you don't become a Christian by sitting here. You don't become a Christian by singing songs. You become a Christian when Jesus Christ makes you alive on the inside, when the river starts to flow. And if you want today to say, oh, Peter, I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ, right in front of everybody, while everyone is looking at you, because we're not hiding this. This is too important to hide. Won't you walk out of your seat right now and come right down to the front of this meeting? Right here. If that's you, it's me. I need to do it. I've hung around church long enough. It's time I come out of the shadows into the light. It's time I become a song singer. It's time that God gives me a song. If that's you today and you're in this place, I want you to walk out of your seat right now and come 
and receive Jesus Christ and receive His song for your life.